This is your Kick-Ass Life Podcast, episode number 131. This is the Your Kick-Ass Life Podcast with Andrea Owen, a no BS guide to self-help and badassery. Because ladies, let's face it, life's too short for it to not kick ass. And here's your host, the girl who serves it up straight with a side of crazy, Andrea Owen. Ass kickers, welcome back and happy new year. I am so glad that you're here and I am glad to be back too. I had a nice little break over the holidays and I am excited to bring you this week's episode. I have, it's kind of like in three parts today. I'm going to talk to you. I have one announcement. I'm going to talk to you about New Year's because we're in the new year, new you bullshit, you know, that happens. <laughs> it happens. No, it's exciting. It can be exciting if you let it. And then I have three steps to let it go. How appropriate as we are talking about the new year, I'm going to talk to you about letting it go. So happy new year, happy new year. Anyway, all right. So my announcement is this. I'm very, very ecstatic to bring you my signature online program, which is called Your Kick-Ass Masterclass. It is a nine-week online class for women who want more self-awareness, who want more self-confidence, and who want more courage. This class is for anyone who struggles with negative self-talk, behaviors like numbing out, um, behaviors like people-pleasing, perfectionism, and just kind of feeling like you need to get your shit together all around shit together for 2017. In this class, you get direct access to me in our private Facebook group where there will be live calls. There is lifetime access to the materials and you also get access to my exclusive uh, alumni group for free. And you can read all about it and join us at kickassmasterclass.com. The website, uh, of course, is in the show notes if you want to just link up that way. It's limited to 40 women. Uh, we have like, I don't know, 12 or 13 have already been taken. I just opened registration. And don't wait. If you if you want to join us, I would love to have you. Again, this is my signature program over here at Your Kick-Ass Life. It's my most intensive class I teach in a group setting. So start 2017 off right for you. If you enjoy the podcast, if you have taking the time to read my book, this is definitely, definitely the next step. This is going a layer deeper for you. And again, I'm in that group answering your personal questions. I am guiding you every step of the way. So what has been going on over here? The recovery series is back too. You know, I took a long break from that. Yesterday, we had an all new episode with Jean McCarthy. There'll be four additional episodes over the next four weeks. And I know that New Year's Day or even this week can be eye opening for some people who are struggling with their drinking. So if you haven't listened yet to the recovery series, take a listen. They start out, you can go to yourkickasslife.com forward slash recovery. It's a quick way to see all of the past episodes that way. You can take a listen. The very first episode is my story. And then I have guests on after that. And even coming up, we have a guest, Danielle, talking about food addiction and we'll talk about love addiction as well. So go check that out for sure. And ta-da, it's the new year. 
what do you guys do for New Year's? I am probably like a lot of you and I go out and party hardy. No, I don't. So for New Year's Eve, I went to bed at 930 and we watched Netflix. My husband and I were watching the OA. Have you guys seen that? Super weird. So we're a couple episodes into that. Don't spoil it for me. And then I went to bed and read my novel. I'm reading, uh, what's it called? Marjorie Morningstar. But anyway, um, I was asleep by 1030. So I don't do a massive like um, inventory or anything like that for New Year's. I I think that's great when people do that. And I know there's like some of my colleagues that do like this major like planning thing and, you know, inventory of what happened last year and, and all of that stuff. I like to keep it pretty simple. I feel like I kind of do those things throughout the year. So for New Year's, I don't like to set myself up for like these massive changes. <laughs> Because I don't ever want to feel worse if they don't work. So what has worked for me over the last few years and what I do is I keep it really simple. Here's what I do. I get a piece of paper and I divide it into three parts. I make a list of what worked. I make a list of what didn't work. And I make a list of what I want to change. And also in that last column, I'll go over this again. In that last column, I add what I need to do to make that specific change. So again, it's a list of what worked, a list of what didn't work, and a list of what I want to change. And I encourage you, if you do this, to do different aspects of your life. I kind of do mine all on the same paper, but separate them by work, personal, um, health and fitness. Maybe if you want to get even more specific, you know, projects around your house and things like that. Mine kind of all get lumped together. And what the most important part of this really isn't the inventory and the list is getting specific. So some people do that thing where they have the word of the year, and I think that's great. Um, That's never something that's really resonated with me. I think it's awesome that people do that. But if you do that, it's the same thing. Like you need to get specific. You can't be like, my word of the year is pleasure, and that's it. And you expect pleasure to fall in your lap every time you turn the corner. You No, that's not how it works. You have to get specific. And in regards to what you need to do, like the last part of that list is really the most important part. It's the what you want to change and what you need to do to make that change because you're in charge. So you need to ask yourself, what do I need to let go of or give up in order to make that change? So most likely we haven't made the change because we're holding on to something that isn't serving us. Typically, it's fear, lack of motivation, negative self-talk, which I talk about ad nauseum over here. Sometimes it's shame. Uh, Sometimes it's playing small. So it's things like that that are the reasons that you haven't made that change. It's those things that you're stuck on. I don't want to say you're holding it on holding on to it because like nobody's really typically doing that consciously. Like once we kind of shine the light on it and are like, "Oh, okay, that's that's what we're doing." Then it's you know, then comes the part of like what do you need to do to make that change? Sometimes it's things like having really hard conversations. Sometimes it's things like setting boundaries. And then other times it's things like, you know, I need to go to bed an hour earlier. 
Um, I need to, in order to wake up an hour earlier to work out or get some creative outlet going. And sometimes it's, it's much simpler things. It's, it's much simpler things like I need to stop drinking that third cup of coffee. You know, it can be something really simple like that. But really my point is that it's getting really specific on what it is that you want to do, what you need to do, and what do you need to do to get there. I mean, that's life coaching 101, y'all. Like (laughs) when it comes down to it, that's the basics. What do you need to do and what are you going to do to get there? Okay. All right. So let's head into three steps to let it go. You ready? So I've noticed something interesting over the last several years. And as a you know, quote unquote blogger and an online business owner, it's smart for me to check my Google Analytics to see how people are finding my website and which posts are getting the most hits and things like that. And it's really interesting because year after year, it's the posts that get the most traffic that people are typing into Google and finding my website. It's the ones where I write about relationships, more specifically the posts about breakups and heartbreak. I've written how to get over your ex, which has been shared something ridiculous like 120,000 times. And it's probably a lot more than that because we didn't even install the Google Analytics until about a year after I had written it. And I actually, it's kind of funny, I had to turn off comments on a couple of those posts because of all the spam. And it's like all these people, and if you have a blog, you know this, it's all the people that they must be spam bots, but they are selling like their love potions. And I, I'm a firm believer that there's a special place in hell for those kinds of spammers that are selling their love potions to poor, brokenhearted people. Anyway, I digress. What's obvious about that and the popularity of that topic is this. Most people in the world have had their heart broken by someone else. And they have a really hard time healing. Raise your hand if that's you. And y'all, I don't pretend to be the absolute expert guru at this. I am still navigating this every day in my own life. But I'm compelled to talk about it today because I've been turning over and over the question in my head. And that question is, are we ever truly healed from heartbreak? And either way, what does that even look like? At my ripe old age of 41, which by the way, I still consider myself young with a lot to learn about life and love, I'm starting to think the answer to that question sometimes is no. And that's okay. Let me explain. Here's where I think the problem starts. I think we make up that we need to get over the people that have hurt us. And I'm not just talking about intimate relationships here. I'm talking about parents, friends, coworkers, anyone we're close to that we've trusted and felt at some point or another has, quote unquote, broken our hearts. We make up that we as humans must get to a place in our hearts where we're not hurt anymore. We don't think about what happened. And if we do, we hold no sadness, no anger, no hurt about it. We've let it go. And I don't know about you, but that seems awfully robotic and a little impossible. I may be wrong. Who knows? But the problem worsens when we make up what it means when we're not over it. We make up 
that we're weak or broken, that we're doing something wrong, that there is something innately wrong with us, and we might keep obsessing on that person that hurt us. As humans, I think we want a definitive answer, a yes or a no. Are we through it or not? Are we healed? Emphasis on the past tense, healed. And my honest answer is, I don't know. I think we look for this place outside of us, this place over there, where we will be absent from all the difficult feelings around it. It's completely subjective what this looks like, but I think so many people spend the better part of their lives searching that out and searching for it. And it's also important to get really clear on what your definition of this is, on what your definition of over it is or healed is or letting it go is. So if you think about a wound on your body, if you get a small prick or a paper cut, when it heals, there's no scar. You don't even remember all the small pricks and paper cuts you've received over your lifetime. They're inconsequential. But when the wound is more substantial, when it's deep and there's a decent amount of bleeding that happens, maybe a scab forms and we have a scar. I have many tiny scars all over my body, a couple of bigger ones. You know, as I'm talking right now, I can see three on my hands and only one I can actually remember how it got there. It was a hot glue gun and oh my God, it hurts so bad. If anyone's been burned with a hot glue gun, you feel my pain. But these scars become a part of us a part of the biggest organ of our body, our skin, we more or less have to accept them, right? So what if we accepted the scars we have on our hearts? And while I don't know if we are ever fully healed, recovered, or over it, I do know there are some key elements that are necessary in working your way through it. So here they are, the first one. You have to feel all the feels. I see you going to numbing McNummer town. If your parents disappoint you, eat some cake. If your partner was an asshole, have some more wine. If your kids are stressing you out, online shopping. We don't want to feel our pain and discomfort or anger or stress or frustration or sadness or grief and on and on. This falls into the how you do one thing is how you do everything If you're numbing out on the stress of your job, most likely you're numbing out on the huge heartbreak of your divorce or breakup. If you're numbing out on the overwhelm you feel as a parent, you're most likely numbing out on the miscarriage you had five years ago. The only way out is through. The only way you're going to quote unquote, get over it or whatever the magical thing is of feeling better is to respect the feelings that happen. You don't have to like them but you have to respect them. I know that's what I was, um, I was texting with my friend, Laura McCowan a couple of weeks ago, and we were talking about grief and I told her, I hate this. I hate this grief, but I respect it. And the reason that I told her that is because I know if I don't, I will still resist and I will still try to numb out and I won't surrender to the feelings. So I have to respect it because if we don't respect the feelings, they come out in other ways. And sometimes it's not always numbing. It's blame, it's rage, it's avoidance. 
And sometimes we shove it so far down, it manifests as insomnia. It can manifest as depression or anxiety. The bottom line, feel your feelings. Number two, your brain has literally been affected. So practice self-compassion. Many times, heartbreak equals trauma. I used to think trauma was reserved for people who had been through horrible, tragic circumstances like war or abuse, but research actually shows that being dumped and similar situations can actually have an effect on our brains that is categorized as traumatic. I've recently had two guests on my podcast who talk about this. Those are episodes 128 and 130. So please, if you haven't listened to those, go back and listen and look into doing the work around trauma. If nothing else, even if you just read a book or listen to those podcasts, hopefully it will help you foster some self-compassion. Number three, forgiveness. Who do you need to forgive? Like it or not, learning to let go has a lot to do with forgiveness. Dragging around resentments, anger, bitterness, and thoughts of revenge will only encourage you to stay exactly where you are and in some cases get worse. The other person is not suffering more because you chose not to forgive them. Typically, they don't give a shit. Forgiveness is complicated, yes, but possible. Trust me, I get it. I've forgiven people who've done massive acts of betrayal to me, heinous things. And I can't imagine my life if I hadn't forgiven them. For me, I wanted peace. I didn't want to carry around the same hatred year after year. My forgiving them had everything to do with me and nothing to do with them. I forgave them for my own love of myself, not for my love of them. There's a quote by Desmond Tutu from the book, um, The Book of Forgiving, uh, which I'll link to in the show notes. It's amazing. Uh, He says to forgive is a process that does not exclude anger or hatred. These emotions are part of being human. You should never hate yourself for hating others who do terrible things. The depth of your love is shown by the extent of your anger. And one of the reasons I love this quote is because he normalizes the feelings around forgiveness. Forgiveness isn't magically forgetting all the difficult feelings and turning things around into happiness and warm, fuzzy feelings. Sometimes forgiveness means you still think they're an asshole and that's okay. So these steps aren't guaranteed to magically get to let go of whatever it is that's plaguing you, but they are essential in getting you closer to it. They are essential in allowing you to start to move through it. Because I think that, you know, that's the key is if you're not at least moving through it, you're stuck. And that is not a fun place to be at all. So again, if you would like more support on that topic, I invite you to check out your Kick-Ass Masterclass, kickassmasterclass.com, nine weeks of support, getting the tools you need to live a confident, self-compassionate, courageous life, and of course, lots of kickassery. All right, Ass Kickers, thank you so much for being here. I will see you next week. And until then, I will see you out in cyberspace. Bye-bye.